0: Hey guys, this is Sean McMahon. This is the second part of our 1st Thessalonians 4 and 5 study on what are often called the rapture chapters. Now before we get into it, I just want to remind you, please subscribe to my channel here. We're almost at a thousand subscribers. I want to do something special when we get there. That's an important milestone for us here. So please, subscribe, please share with all your friends so we can get to that subscription milestone make sure you like the video if you like it and please also do uh, turn on the notifications so that you get notified when these videos come out otherwise they just echo out into the void and no one ever hears them very sad very sad but without further ado I just want to leap right back in where we left off so we left off at verse 13 of chapter 4 first Thessalonians so we're gonna start with verse 14 for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Okay, so let's look at that language. Asleep in him. Asleep. Now this verse will be our first clue that perhaps sleep might mean something which relates to death, since Paul has invoked Jesus' death and resurrection, right? And he parallels Christ's death and those who have fallen asleep in him, with Christ's resurrection and the concept that God will bring them with Jesus, right? So these two little concepts are connected in parallel. Again, he groups Christ's death with the concept of those who have fallen asleep in him and parallels that with Christ's resurrection and the concept that God will bring them, the resurrected ones, with Jesus. Right? Follow? Okay. Now, the case for sleep and asleep having a meaning consistent with death is going to grow stronger as we follow the next verse, 15. It says, By the word of the Lord. We declare to you that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay? So it would seem here like Paul is contrasting we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord with those who have fallen asleep. So it seems a bit more like sleep is the opposite of alive here. This is our second clue that sleep might mean death. Okay, let's continue on in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Okay? So, there's more of the same pattern here. The dead in Christ will be the first to rise. It's contrasted with, after that, We who are alive and remain, okay? So this is our third clue that sleep means death. Not because Paul mentions sleep again or those who are asleep again, but because this time he's clearly talking about the same people, but he calls them the dead in Christ, okay? So this is our third clue that sleep and death are connected concepts for Paul. Important to his overall purpose here somehow, which he sets out at the beginning of chapter 4 in the first verses, The purpose, again, for chapter 4 and 5 of 1 Thessalonians is laid out in the first verses of chapter 4, and he says the purpose is, I want to ask and encourage you Thessalonians to live in a way that is pleasing to God, okay? So, verse 18 ends with these words, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, that seems very consonant, right, with this encouragement to live in a way that is pleasing to God. Paul is encouraging. He's telling them, encourage one another. Okay, with verse 18, with these words, many commentators end their commentary on First Thessalonians 4, because as we mentioned in the previous part, most people only talk about verses 13 and following, and then they just stop. Okay, but we've already established, Paul's already established at the beginning of chapter 4 that he has a purpose here and so he's going to continue in this purpose he's not done he has more to say there's a whole other chapter of 1st Thessalonians that fulfills this purpose of asking and encouraging the Thessalonians to live in a way that's pleasing to god right okay so having left behind these classic rapture or second coming verses that everyone else comments on, let's actually move on to what else Paul has to say, because he's not done saying whatever he's trying to say. So let's see what he has to say. Chapter 5, okay? Chapter 5 opens with verse 1. He says, Now about the times and seasons, brothers, we do not need to write you. Okay, now let's look a little at his grammar, at at his rhetorical devices here. Now, this this is another parenthetical statement, okay? He is here referring to the times and seasons pertaining to what he just discussed in verses 13 and 18 of chapter 4, which was in itself a parenthetical section, remember? So, we're entering into a, a parenthesis within a parenthesis, with Paul elaborating even more on his first parenthesis, which was about the parousia, okay? Which, by the way, we must not forget, is all to help state the case for the Thessalonians proper behavior towards outsiders as he said in chapter 4 verse 12 right so this is a parenthesis supporting a broader purpose again the purpose that Paul set out at the beginning of chapter 4 now I also want you to note that Paul uses the same type of rhetoric to open his secondary parenthesis as he did to open the primary one namely he says now about the following topic we don't need to write to you isn't that interesting It's interesting, and it's also telling, because it shows that he's intentionally creating a rhetorical parallel here to chapter 4, verse 9. And as we continue, I believe we're going to see a structural parallel here in this secondary parenthesis to the primary parenthesis in chapter 4. So, let's get deeper into this parenthesis within the parenthesis, okay? Verse 2. For you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Okay, so Paul, in case the Thessalonians weren't sure, he's making it crystal clear that he's been talking about the day of the Lord, right? The whole time, that's what chapter 4 was. He's been talking about the day of the Lord, and he's going to keep talking about it, okay? This is a good indication that we are indeed venturing into a structural parallel of the primary parenthesis of chapter 4, okay? He continues in verse 3, While people are saying peace and security, destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they're not going to escape, right? Now, this destruction is the divine vengeance that he warned them about earlier in chapter 4, verse 6. Do you see how he's recapitulating what he said in chapter 4 here again in chapter 5, right? He's about to do a little more recapitulation, which should further prove that this is an intentional structural parallel Of chapter 4 here in chapter 5 check out what Paul says verse 4 following through 7 but you brothers are not in the darkness so that this day should overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of the light sons of the light right and sons of the day we do not belong to the night or to the darkness so then let us not sleep as the others do but let us remain awake and sober for those who sleep sleep at night And those who get drunk, get drunk at night, okay? (laughs) Okay, so Paul has brought back the language from chapter four of sleep, being asleep versus being awake. And what he does here is he parallels this language of sleep versus awake, and in so paralleling, also interprets this language of sleep versus awake with, in chapter five, the darkness and the light, the language of the darkness and the light and the night and the day, okay? So this is an interpretive parallel, okay? And it goes on from verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of our hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to suffer wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so... He's saying something that shouldn't be surprising for Christians. He's saying, we're believers, we're faithful, we're not going to suffer wrath, we're going to be saved through Jesus. Fair enough. Nothing surprising here, right? But check out where he goes next. Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage and build one another up, just as you are already doing. Okay, hold up. There's two things I wanna talk about here. One is pretty mind-blowing, so I have to build up to it a bit with the less mind-blowing point, which is simply to draw your attention to yet another clue, and the most conclusive at that, in my opinion, that Paul has intentionally paralleled the structure of this secondary parenthesis with that of the primary parenthesis in chapter four. And talk about recapitulation, these two statements in verse 10 and 11, He died for us, it says, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage and build one another up just as you're already doing. That's verses 10 and 11 of chapter 5. This closes the secondary parenthesis. This is a complete parallel to how he closed chapter 4. Because he says there, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, okay? Let's break that down. Chapter 4, he ends with the words, we will always be with the Lord. Chapter 5, he says, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Okay, so it's talking about inclusion, inclusion. Everyone will be together in the Lord somehow. All the parties involved that he's been talking about will be in the Lord. Okay, chapter 4, the next thing he says is, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Well, he says the same exact thing at the end of chapter 5. Therefore, encourage and build one another up, just as you were already doing. Okay. Total parallel. Total parallel. And in fact, with this parallel statement here in chapter 5, which closes the secondary parenthesis in the exact same manner that the primary parenthesis in chapter 4 is ended, well, he's concluding the entire parenthesis, okay? So we need to step back and appreciate just how much rhetorical work Paul has put in to intentionally and clearly showing what he's trying to say here. And what exactly is he trying to say here? Well, this is the mind-blowing part, and we have to really dig into Paul's language to appreciate this mind-blowing point he's making in these last chapters of Thessalonians, but I suspect this is just the kind of cliffhanger that we need to leave this video at, and therefore... We'll leave it at that. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, share, turn on the notifications. Check out the link in the description, by the way. It has links to to my book. I have a book out. It's called Faith Working Through Love, and it's simple sermons that show you a little more about my pastoral approach to life, how I preach the gospel into people's lives, and of course, we have music online, etc., That's actually the family business. Music is the family bread and butter. So we hope you check out that music. Don't be shy. Just check out everything we have to offer here. But God bless you. Can't wait until this next part comes out. I think you're really going to dig this study. We're going to go deep. I think this is going to be several parts long. So I want to break it up and make sure that's in bite-sized chunks. Otherwise, we all choke and die. Just kidding. All right. God bless you. I've said enough. Until next time, au revoir. God bless you. Bye, bye, bye.